My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. Episode 20, Face Everything and Rise. One of the parts of this that was a little bit more difficult for me to deal with is looking outside of myself because my immediate, you know, if you're a parent or care for, you know, children or nieces and nephews, you know, it's very easy for your perspective to immediately focus on them. When I was diagnosed, my immediate focus went to how is this going to affect my husband and how is this going to affect my kids? Because I feel like I'm a wife first and a parent second. And I never really looked outside of myself until later on in the process of how I am also a daughter. And the first time I kind of changed my perspective, I got a glimpse of the perspective change was when my grandmother passed. When we lost my grandma, it was the first time I had seen and looked at my mother as a daughter. Like she had always taken care of us and that was the only role I ever saw her in as my mom. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to just see only that perspective. But as I was sitting at my grandma's funeral and, you know, of course there's going to be some sorrow there because there's changes hard. And my grandma is a very faithful woman. And I have no doubt that one of the reasons I'm doing so well is her prayers for me in heaven and her talking to being face to face with God, you know, intervening on my behalf saying, you know, prayers, heavenly prayers and, you know, earthly prayers look out for us and send our guardian angels our way. And she was very faithful in her prayers and in her, um, very connected to God. And so I know her salvation is safe and I know that she's waiting for me when it's my turn to transition. But it was the first time at my grandma's funeral as I'm, you know, watching my mom being sorrowful for the loss of her mother. And I think it was particularly hard because grandma was 87 when we lost, I hate that when we lost her, that's just a habit when she went to heaven. And 87 is a long life. Trust me, I am praying for 87. I would love to get 87 years on this earth. But, you know, God's plan first. I trust in his plan and there's a reason for it. But it was particularly hard because grandma still, even though her body failed her, her mind was sharp as a tack and still funny and a diehard Steeler fan and a pirate fan listening to KDKA on the radio every night, you know, that's what put her to sleep. She listened to baseball games. She listened to Legion baseball games. You know, I just, I can remember like staying at their house and her and Papa sitting out front listening to baseball games on their, their AM FM radio. I just, such a 
great memory as a child and even as an adult when I went to go visit them. But anyway, when grandma passed, it was really difficult to watch the sorrow my mother was going through. And it wasn't until like that moment that I saw my mom as a daughter instead of just as my mom. And I don't think we're supposed to see that. I don't think, you know, there's a reason, you know, it, it's you you are when you're put on this earth and you take on the role as a mom, you know, you focus on your relationship with your husband and you focus on your children. And it just it was I don't say alarming to me, but it was just kind of one of those clarity moments. Like, yeah, she just, you know, her mom just went to heaven and she doesn't get to see her and hear her voice and hear her wisdom, you know, like she would be able to normally. And it's a change. And so that was, that was kind of a powerful moment for me. So now I moved, then I be, you know, I had children at the time and, you know, it just was, kind of a shift in perspective. Well, when I got diagnosed, I'd kind of forgotten about that. You know, my parents were like, you tell us when to come out and we're there. And they did. And they came out, you know, when I started treatment because I, you know, I needed help. I was down for the count. And then, you know, I wanted my kids to still feel loved and have the attention that they needed. But in all of this, I was looking at my mom and my dad as caretakers for my children, but not once did I ever look at the perspective of my parents. I'm still their daughter. You know, I take on the mom role and the wife role and the friend role, but I kind of took the daughter role because I was so focused on that, that I never... It took me a little while to realize, you know, how hard is this on my mom and dad having to watch her child? And even though I'm 44 years old, I'm still their daughter. I mean, I look at my kids and I still see them as, you know, chubby two-year-olds running around. You know, I see them at the giggly lap, you know, giggly toddlers. I see them as funny five-year-olds and kindergartners. You know, that's what I see. I don't see them as the young men that they are now. So I can only imagine, like, for my mom and dad as going through this you know, how difficult that is to watch your child, you know, that you're used to having energy. And, you know, I mean, I was cruise director for my parents. They'd come to visit us in California and okay, we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. And, you know, I'd have everything planned out and dinners planned and, you know, it just, it was a switch in perspective. And I think one of the things that I noticed is that I, I take him for granted you know, your parents are always going to be there. Not all parents are that way. You know, I'm lucky to have parents that I say the word and they're on a plane to California. And, you know, they respected us. And I said, we got to figure out what's going on before you guys get on a plane to come out here. I know you want to come help and be here for me and be here for the kids and for Paul. But I said, I got to figure out up from down first. And so I appreciate it because, I mean, I would be on a plane. And I would be stubborn. I wouldn't listen. And I appreciate that my parents respected us and said, you know, you just tell us when you want us there. And I can't imagine how difficult it was to be geographically separated when you know your daughter is going through something like glioblastoma. 
and chemo and radiation and all of the different emotions that go along with it. You know, and I'm also very fortunate that my parents take really good care of themselves. They're two of the healthiest people I know. They eat healthy. They exercise regularly. They're out there being active. Play, my dad plays golf. My mom does Zumba and all about, I think she spends like anywhere from two to four hours at the gym every day. And I love her for that. And I'm so grateful that they're in good health because I couldn't imagine, you know, that they took care of themselves, like adding a whole other, um, cause they're, you know, my parents are in their seventies and like adding a whole other layer of, okay, I'm sick, but I need to still be helping care for my parents. You know, I'm very fortunate that they're independent, but I just, you know, it's just that perspective. And I just, I'm telling you this because I don't always have a lot of patience for my parents and it's, and it's not a good thing. And I should, because my life is possible because they cared for me. They gave me the foundation I needed to be the daughter that I am. They gave my brother the foundation to be the man that he is. And my, my, you know, my brother's a phenomenal man. He cares. He's a great father. He's a great husband. Um, he's a great uncle to my kids. And we are the people we are because of the influence of our parents. And I'm, we're so fortunate to have that, but I also feel like I take that for granted sometimes. And I get frustrated sometimes because they're, I don't want to say they're set in their ways, but, you know, sometimes I get frustrated with that. We all get frustrated with our parents from time to time. I know my parents, my kids get frustrated with me. And I always have, you have to sometimes pull yourself back and just remember that everything that they do and everything that they say comes from a place of love and come and we forget that easily as we become adults, you know, and we, well, I, I'm, I don't know if I call myself an adult. I don't know at what point you're officially deemed an adult, but sometimes I still feel like I'm just this teenager, still 16 years old living life. Um, that just happens to have kids and a husband and all that. But just a, a reminder that God specifically gave you to your parents. It wasn't an accident. There is a reason for it. And, you know, one of the commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. It's pretty clear. Honor them. Respect them. Take care of them. Listen to them. So, yes, you're going to get frustrated sometimes. I do. It's just as my parents get frustrated with me sometimes. But remember that everything they do comes from a place of love. And they will always be your biggest champion. Um, something I wanted to share with you guys outside of talking about my mom and dad is when I was diagnosed and continue and throughout to today, I mean, it, I was diagnosed, we're at 13 months now and it is the support I've gotten from people I've never even met that reach out to me. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that support and how blessed and lucky I feel to have that support because a lot of people do this alone and by themselves. And it's easy to miss the gift of that support when you go into the darkness. And I've been in the darkness. I've lived days in the darkness and I have, you know, I've been in the why me stage and I've been in that bottomless pit of self-pity of, you know, look at all my friends. They still get to go. They're still planning vacations with their kids. And I can't 
leave my the area that I live in right now because I can't get on an airplane. And because you get in that wallowing darkness, you miss a lot of stuff. And you have to remember, and a lot of gifts and a lot of blessings. And you have to remember, it doesn't matter how dark the place is that you are. And I say that because I, you know, I feel like sometimes I remember, I don't know if this is like in 2000 or in the nineties, that one of the popular things is even the, all the darkness in the world can't put out the light of one candle. And he's like, ah, it's so cheesy, but it isn't, it's true. A light of a candle can be, have all the darkness in the world bombarding it and that candle will still be lit and it light will still come from, come from it. And you have to remember, even when you're in the darkest pit of that self-pity, God's light can reach you and it will reach you. You have to focus on the light. You have to focus on the positive. And one of the ways you do that, I've one of it's one of the shortest verses in the Bible, and it's first Thess- Thess- Thessalonians. <laughs> Say that three times fast. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16 short and sweet. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I mean, how simple is that instruction? It's not only rejoice when things are going your way. It's not rejoice when something good happens. It's saying rejoice when things suck. Rejoice when you feel lost. Rejoice when you don't understand what's going on. There's always a different perspective to see it. There's always a different way to understand that. And then when you start rejoicing the small things, like I laughed, I rejoiced, you know, today I'm rejoicing the fact that I get to go to the gym and work out. I get to do that because there was a long, well, I mean, even if you took COVID out of the picture, you know, everything shut down for COVID. Well, this new gym up that just opened up the street from us and it's fantastic. And I feel safe there. I, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, cleaning supplies there. I get plenty of space. It's fantastic. And I'm rejoicing because I've missed going to the gym. My first job was in a gym. I worked at Parkway Fitness Center. I was worked in the nursery and from there, I worked in the nursery and then I got promoted to front desk. And then I actually got someone took me under their wing and taught me how to teach aerobics. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wore the awesome 90s aerobic instructor. Yep, I had the tights underneath with the G string leotard over it. Fairly certain I wore scrunched down socks. I taught step, I taught slide, I taught floor. I mean, I taught circuit training. Yeah, back in the day. Yes, I did. There's sure there's pictures that exist somewhere of me in that amazing unitard. But um, it's just, you have to remember that the more you rejoice, the more it becomes a habit. Like I'm rejoicing that I get to go work out at a gym. Some people would be like, oh, that's my worst nightmare. But I'm rejoicing that. I'm rejoicing that I live in a place that I can go outside pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, because I live in Southern California. I'm rejoicing today that I have energy. 
You know, I'm rejoicing today for the smart aleck comment my son made to me this morning because you know what? I'm he's still in the house with me and my husband and I still have the opportunity to shape him and correct that now when he's under our roof instead of when he's out in the world and he's doing that and he's trying to figure out well why he can't hold a job or why he won't get hired. You know, those are important lessons that like those are the way you change a perspective. You're thankful for the struggles, which I've talked about. I'm thankful that I have this glioblastoma that I'm dealing with because the lessons that I have learned for that, I believe, has brought me to salvation is because it has brought me to this point where I am secure in my relationship with Christ. If I don't have glioblastoma, I'm still just kind of spinning my wheels, not having a meaningful, not having a meaningful relationship. So there is always something to celebrate. Remember Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Not sometimes, always. There is always something to rejoice. And start small. You don't have to be like, I am rejoicing that I was diagnosed with cancer. No. Challenge it. That's tough. It was hard for me to get to that. It was hard for me to get to that point and to be in a point of thankfulness like that. But there's always something to celebrate. Start with, I woke up this morning. Every day you wake up, it's a gift. And just start with, God, thank you for today. Start there. It's simple, straightforward. Start with, I'm grateful for today. Whatever happens after that, that was the first step. As you do that more and more, you'll start seeing other things to rejoice. You'll start seeing, they'll start creeping up on you. And it's amazing how all of a sudden everything comes into focus going, wow, this whole time. And I was guilty. I was 100% guilty of this. I was focusing on the negative. It's so easy. Oh, what about this? And what about this? Especially because you're bombarded with it in daily life, whether you're talking to a friend that's maybe having a hard hard time, or you're watching the news, or you're scanning Facebook, or you're scanning Instagram, or Whatever, that negativity will get in there. And you have to choose to flip it and find the rejoice, the what the reason to rejoice in there. I mean, it's hard. I mean, there was a part, and I just remember a particular day, and I just completely fell apart. I went so dark and I went so far down that pit. I mean, I was overwhelmed with my diagnosis. It was a rough night. I was overwhelmed thinking of Paul and the boys going on life without me there and the pain they would feel and the sorrow they would feel. At the time, we were in a state of COVID in the world. Um, I was in chemo, which I didn't feel like myself. I felt awful, and I just wanted to have my energy back. I could. I felt like I, was like I couldn't be me. I couldn't be the person I normally am with the energy and, you know, taking care of the kids, running around, hanging out with my friends. I couldn't be me. And then I was like, you're dealing with a lot of social unrest. Like the news was creeping in and it was just, it was a lot all at once. And I just had, I was it. I was done. I was so far down the deep. And I finally just out loud my husband was standing there next to me. I out loud was sobbing. And I said, Jesus, I leave this at your feet. I give you all of my burdens. 
And just saying that sentence calmed me. It calmed me in a way that I finally surrendered and I released it to him because I just would think of one thing and then my brain would, you know, shift to the other horrible thing. And then my, then I would jump to something else and it was, none of it was positive. It was all negative. And it felt like I was being attacked. It felt like I was being attacked with negativity and I finally just couldn't take it. And instead of crumbling, I guess I did crumble and I crumble and I surrendered and it was liberating and calming and being like, remember, as hard as you try to have control, you don't, you are not in control. And having to say that to myself, you aren't in control. You're along for the ride, sister. Hop on the roller coaster and let's go. Enjoy the that fall. And it's like, that's a thing. Like you think about it, you compare it to a roller coaster. And because, you know, Jesus is sitting right next to you on that roller coaster. But you've been, you know, that roller coaster has been tested over and over again, and they can't run it unless it's 100% safe. Because how many times have you been to an amusement park and you get frustrated because you get stuck in a line for two hours thinking, okay, maybe, maybe it's going to open up again because it's going to be safe again. The roller coaster you are on in life is 100% safe because your co-pilot on that roller coaster is Christ. And just enjoy the ride. Enjoy it. Enjoy it because there is a constant in your life and it's him. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He is that constant, that security blanket that is taking care of you. So don't allow that negativity in. Always focus on the positive. No matter how lost you are, there's always a path that leads to him. So I titled this particular podcast, Faith Everything, Face Everything and Rise. Face Everything and Rise. And it's not mine. I had borrowed that because I read it somewhere. I think it was in a Matthew Kelly book, Face Everything and Rise. And if you take that acronym, Face Everything and Rise, it actually is F-E-A-R. It's fear. So you're not doing that alone. You're not facing everything alone. You're facing it with him. So face everything and rise with him. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso. See you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, JT Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, Graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Yoso.